You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. Okay, well, great to be together. Uh, I want to remind you of our first uh, week together that we talked about some foundations of trusting God. You know, when you think about people you trust, maybe it's your mom, just someone you really, really trust. Part of what brings the trust is the history, her reputation, how she's been with you, right? And I think it's important for us to remember, why should we trust God? God is sovereign, which means he's in control of everything. He either makes things happen or he allows things to happen. But God is sovereign. He's in control and he's over everything and everyone. You know who's in charge of your boss? Well, your boss is boss. But you know who's in charge of him? Well, your boss is boss is boss. But you know who's in charge of him? God. God can, take, God can change your professor's mind. God can change your landlord's mind. God can, literally, God can change... What's going on over there? God can change anyone's mind. God is in control of everything and everyone. And every inanimate object. God is sovereign. God's infinite in wisdom. He's never... Puzzled. Can somebody go over there and tell, tell them? Oh, okay. Great. Just in case we were to charge the wall. God is infinite in wisdom. Um, what does that mean? That God's never puzzled. We're puzzled all the time. We feel perplexed all the time. Even the scriptures talk about that. Where the, where the writer or the psalmist is frustrated or perplexed or confused. God is never unclear on what to do or how to do it. He never over-disciplines us, he talks about in the book, or under-disciplines us, which is very comforting because sometimes we can feel, hey God, that's enough. I know when enough is enough and that's been enough. But God is, we can trust that he's, his wisdom is perfect. He gives us exactly what we need. And then the final foundation we talked about in week one is God is perfect in love. Even on our best days we fall short, but God never falls short. He interacts with us in such a way that the basis, the premise of all of it is love. And I, that, all those pillar truths give us found a foundation to really trust God. Okay, so let me uh, open it up here before we get into the Word. I need to trust God in my blank by doing what? How would you answer that question? Not theoretically or ethereally or sp- just in a spiritually sounding way. How would you say right now, I need to trust God in my blank by doing what? Okay, Mike? Okay, Mike needs to trust God in his life by being obedient to him. Russell? Okay, Russell needs to trust God in giving his first fruits, his tithe, by giving. Okay, appreciate that. Yeah. Okay, you need to trust God in your dating relationship. By being humble in the relationship. Yeah. Okay, loving your enemies. Okay. Yes. Okay, going through some tough times, Alex. Persevering. Persevering doesn't just mean ah, enduring it. It means moving forward in pain. Like you're still moving forward. Yeah. Caleb? Okay, so Caleb's going through some suffering and rather than resenting it or being bitter or ignoring it, 
submitting to God. Okay, appreciate that. Anyone else? I need to trust God in... Yeah. Okay, so giving over... Uh, Ken shared some insecurities that I have. I need to trust God in those by really leaning into God's love and letting that counterbalance. Okay? Anyone else? Jay? Okay. Jay's making some career changes and being patient in this process. Anyone else? Yeah. Okay, so I know your name. I'm just spacing it. Chris. Chris Elwell. Right? Yeah. Okay, so I knew your name. I just... <laughs> first part went out for a second. It's happening all the time now. Um, Chris shared, uh, trusting God when times are going well because... Not taken for granted. And he talks about that in the book. He says, you know, it's not just about trusting God when things are going bad. In fact, we can tend to lean on God more when things are going bad. It's also realizing when things are going good, hey, God, this is you. I, I, I can take no credit. Anyone else? Yeah, Jesse? Okay, so Jesse says, hey, I need to trust God in, with my schedule. Got, I have to work like everybody else, commute like everybody else, personal life. like. But I need to trust God with my schedule by still giving God the best of my time. Okay? Yeah, Simon? Okay. Simon just got his first job out of engineering school. But trust, his trust in God is, hey, my future. What, what's, where's God taking me? This isn't the job that I want, but it's a stepping stone. Okay. Right? Yeah, Gary? Okay, so hardships and challenges that Gary's going through by being grateful for what you do have. I was thinking about that today, that I can be very negative. I can very easily go to this isn't good, this isn't good, this isn't versus going, whoa, 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 wait, what about this and this and this? And this? You know, it really takes an intentional effort. Most of our minds, not everybody, but most of our minds immediately go to the negative. What's lacking? What's, what's a bummer? Yeah. Okay, George shared he needs to trust God with the fears in his life by pushing through some things. Okay, yeah, Matt? Okay, his ability to forgive others by listening to his word. James? Okay, that's good. We can, we can give up on people. So James shared trusting God by... What, tell me the first part of what you said again. Oh, that people can change not giving up on them, persevering with them. Okay, yeah, last one. Okay, um, he shared in it with his failures by knowing he's, Kendall said, you know, I'm going to grow through them, not getting down on himself or they're, that they're fatal. Okay, last one. Okay, so Bernardo shared trusting God with the responsibilities that he's given him. Bernardo just took a huge job promotion. He just sat for the boards. He's now a behavioral analyst. Even the way he's looking right now is making me nervous. <laughs> What is it? He's waiting for the results, but he, he said he's pretty confident that God had blessed him. Okay, great. All right. Tonight, uh, we're going to talk about something uh, that I think is uh, important. Uh, I'll come back to this illustration in just a second. Trusting God for who you are. Trusting God for who you are. Every one of us has physical things about ourselves that we wish weren't. I'm just being honest. 
Maybe it's, and you're going to laugh, but maybe it's the shape of our ears. My kids all make fun of how my ears come out. You probably have in your head, I forgive you. But my kids, my kids make fun, fun of that. all the, and your, your kids just, I don't know, Henry, you just may have done, not done that to you. but Yeah, okay. Uh, sure you could. I'm sure that would cause a new problem that I would not want. But anyway, um, tonight we're going to talk about self-acceptance in a number of different areas. Self-acceptance as it relates to who you are, your physical, emotional, mental temperament, makeup. We're going to talk about trusting God for what you are, the abilities that God's given you, and the profession or professions that you've then been put into or been allowed to do. And then trusting God in the area of his plans for your future, for your life. Um, Trusting God for who you are. This is going to be our main text And then I'll go back to this illustration in a second. Psalm 139, verse 14. David says this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My uh, youngest really struggles with uh, insecurity and anxiety all the time. And so we memorize this verse. And on the way to school, I try to play the Bible in the car, um, you know, on the audio and sing and pray. And I've done it with all of them for, you know, I personally want to take them to school. Because of that, I want to be able to pray and read the Bible with him and have a talk and a verse and something. But, so we memorized this verse. And I said, Tally, say it. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Say it again, Tally. And so you ask her, please don't ask her because she'll get bugged that I even brought it up. But if you ask her, she'll know this verse because I want her to realize you are beautiful. You are amazing. God made you perfect. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. You are how God made you. And it's amazing. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What a great verse to talk about all those three things. Trusting God for who you are. Trusting God for what you are. And trusting God for what his plans are for you. It's all in this passage. You know, uh, in 1937, Walt Disney, he's the guy squatting down right there. He's acting out the scene for one of the readers in uh, in one of his animation film. But he was a pioneer, as most of us know. He changed the whole industry. Uh, through animation. And in 1937, the first major motion picture came out that was animated called Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And what was interesting about that movie is that the Disney artists drew by hand over one million pictures for that film. And each picture only showed on the screen for one twenty-fourth of one second. So you think about it. That much work of professional artists, by hand, pre-computer graphics age, sketching out a whole picture that got how much airtime? One twenty-fourth of one second to to human eye. And so, to to make the first animated film, they made over a million pictures, and uh, you know, hand-drawn pictures, and then they used the you know film camera to take all picture of all those pictures, and then put them all together, and then show it in a moving fashion to where it made motion. And, you know, that's a lot how our lives are. God puts infinite thought, just like those artists, and careful detail, just like those artists, to every 
frame of our lives. And yet our lives run at the movie speed, at the regular speed. Just like that movie, theater, you know, the movie camera makes the noise. They're flipping fast and we don't realize it because they're running at a whole different speed. But we don't realize how much providence that God has filled in every second of our lives because he cares for us. And he's made us in a special, special way. I, I found this quote here uh, in the book uh, that I thought was so inspiring to me. I listened to it multiple times. And this, this Scott Bible scholar said this, and pay attention, okay, to this. You will never really enjoy other people. You will never have stable emotions. You will never lead a life of godly contentment. And you will never conquer jealousy and love others as you should until you thank God for making you the way he did. Think about that for a second. You'll never really enjoy other people, have stable emotions, lead a life of godly contentment, or conquer jealousy and love others as much as you should until you thank God for making you the way that he did. You know, God, you know, if you go back to that verse in Psalm 139, it says God's frame was not hidden from us, from him, when, I, when we were made by God, when we were woven together. So God picked the texture of your hair. You go, I don't have a lot of hair. God picked that too. God picked the shape of your nose. You go, I hate my nose. Well, take it up with God. You know, I mean, God picked your height. Any haters here? Tall people? I get you every time in the airplanes and everything. No, God, God picked your height. God picked your shoe size. God picked the color of your skin. God picked the color of your eyes. God picked your body tight. God picked, I mean, he made you for his glory. And when we are down on ourselves, I'm not saying we can't shape our bodies. And I'm not saying we shouldn't take care of our bodies. I have strong convictions about that. I didn't have that all my life. It's something that developed later in my life. Like in my maybe 30s. And it's just kind of increased. But our body is a temple. We should take great care of it. In fact, if you want some conviction about that, call Doug and say, Doug, Marco said that you talked about your body being a temple. And, and what what did he, you share with him? And he'll tell you. So that's a whole different sermon for a whole different time. But our body was given to us by God. Our emotional temperament. Did you ever wish you were a little less emotional? Did you ever wish you were a little more emotional? Did you ever wish you were a little less emotional in certain areas and more emotional in others? And Did you ever wonder if, if you have any emotions at all outside of anger and hunger <laughs> and lust always at your door? Now, God made us with the temperament that we have personality type that we have and there's something called gift envy where you can look at somebody else and go I don't that just how can they throw a baseball like that that's just wrong (laughs) how can they do art like that that's just how can they figure out computers like that how can that person I just don't get I mean he plays football basketball and baseball all really well and he doesn't have to try and I remember I was in the sixth grade and the math, the math uh, vehicle took off and left me behind. And I remember this feeling of deep insecurity like, 
man, this just stinks. And then disconnecting from school. Like, you know, and I, and literally, I, I told myself from sixth grade till I was uh, maybe 18, I'm, I'm dumb in math. It wasn't true. I just learned differently and I needed extra support and help. But I told my, it was very counterproductive too. It actually beat me down and I beat myself down. But I told me, I'm just dumb in math. I'm just dumb in math. And finally, after dropping a class two times and paying for both out of my pocket, I said, you know, I can keep saying this or I can figure out how not to be dumb in math because this is really dumb if I'm going to keep retaking this class for $140 a pop. And so here I was as a sophomore in college having to learn junior high math. Talk about humbling. But you know what? I got to a point where I did college algebra and did really well. Learned For me, I got a good grade. I didn't cheat. I was a disciple at that point, so I stopped cheating. And I was just grateful. But it was good for me. It was good for me to feel humbled. It was good for my soul. That's part of what helped me become a Christian. The math? No. The frustration. You go, I'm really good at math. Well, you're not good at something. And there's something you wish was different or whatever. We're all different, but it's trusting God that He's made you exactly how you are, exactly the way he wanted you to. Not just so you can have a great life, but so that you could bring him glory, be used by him in the most powerful way, and that you could please him with your life. You go, well, that's not how I feel. Well, that's why it's trusting God for who you are, not how you feel. But it's really believing that God made you exactly the way he wanted you to. You say, that's easy for you. Because you don't have my problems. Well, you're right. But you don't have mine. You want to trade? Everybody always thinks, well, if I was married, my life would be easier. Kendall, I know you're feeling it. Henry, can, we, can I get an amen? Is that true? Is it easier? Yeah, well said. Well said. Excellent. We, Henry and I practiced that for two weeks. He did perfect timing. Great. No, it's, it's different. It's better in a lot of ways, and it's more challenging. It's just different. But we've got to trust God for who we are. You know, trusting God for what I am. You know, you think about these blank picture frames, right? I'll come back to them in just a second. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive talking about from God. What gifts do you have? What life opportunities do you have that you didn't get from God? And if you did receive it, why do you boast about them as though you did not? And, you know, it's the whole idea that God has put you with a certain set of skills and a certain talent set and a certain life opportunity that we can embrace or we can resent. He talks about in the book, which I thought was interesting, that 80% of the people don't like their jobs. I don't know if that, that studies have been done. I'm not going to take a show of hands right now because I want to keep it positive, okay? But his, his point in the book was that maybe a lot of those people are in the exact job they should be. They're just not grateful for how God made them and the opportunity thus that's, that's placed forth. They'd rather be here. They'd rather do this versus embracing how God made them. You know, this whole idea of the picture frame, the blank picture frame. When you think about it, this picture frame is practically valueless. I mean, it's what, you know, $12, $15, $25, depending. But each one is different. But God 
It, you know, and someone could purchase the frame, and the frame is still practically valueless. But when you take it home and you put inside a picture that means something, suddenly that picture has high value. Not monetarily, but meaning. Because the picture in the frame is the image of a real life, and it has memories, and it has, there's a story behind it. And that's kind of how we are with God. We come in different shapes and sizes. We come with different intellectual abilities and different life situations and different circumstances. Some of us had great parents. Some of us did not. Some of us had only a mom, only a dad. Some of us never met their dad. I mean, all different types of situations. But at the end of the day, God put us in our life situation the way that he did. And what gives us value in our different shapes and sizes is the image of the life that God's given us. And when you think about it, suddenly that picture, that you know, the whole idea of us coming to the world, where God's put our image in that frame, the, the body that God's given us, it's more than just the physical. God's put something very special in our lives, and the, the frame now holds value because it bears the mark of God. We're all different types of frames, but we all bear the mark of God. We've all been given a different life situation, different set of skills, and we need to trust God for that and embrace that. That doesn't mean we can't better ourselves. That doesn't mean we can't be our best with what God's given us. But if we sit around muttering, discontent, complaining, ungrateful, it's not going to go well for us with our relationship with God. It takes faith to trust God, not just for who we are, but what we are and what God's put us in in the lives that he's given us. You know, think about it, that God has set out a plan for us even before we were born. It's not a circumstance. We're not just a biological a bunch of chemicals that were put together. God's plan for both of us, and we've got to trust him for who we are, but also trust him for what we are. Whatever our job is, whatever our opportunities, whatever our skill set, we can look at other people and say, if I was an engineer, I would be happy. If I was this, if I could live here, if I could do this, yes, but maybe not. If we can trust God for what we are, it's, we can bring glory to God through our life situation. Amen? Amen. Lastly, trusting God for his guidance. You know, what do you do? How do you know where to go? How do you know what to do? Psalm 48, 14 it's one of my favorite verses. For this God is our God forever and ever, and he will be our guide to even to the end. You know, God is our guide. I love this. He gave this illustration in, our, in the book that I loved. He says, you know, so often we want to peer over God's shoulder. Hey, God, what are you doing over there? What's going on over there? I want to see the next step. And God will often only give us one step or two steps or three steps, and that's about it. He'll just take us to the manna in the morning, right? Where we've got to come back out the next day, gather up just enough for the day, and still depend on him. You know, I was reading that, uh, um, maybe it was in this book, another book, I can't remember, but the whole passage in Deuteronomy where he says that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's not just talking about the scripture, which is what I always thought, that you know, we, we're, we live off the scriptures, which is true. He, but what I read is that what he's talking about is that 
man lives on every word, every, the providence of God, the control of God, the sense of God being our guide and God being sovereign. That, that's interesting. It's not just the word, but it's trusting in God's word for our lives. It's Proverbs 16:9. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. We don't know what God's will is for our lives, the specific will. But we can pray. We can get good counsel. We can test things. We can ask for input from God. We can wait on God. There's different things we can do. But at the end of the day, we don't know what God's plan is for our lives. And what I love about God is even when we make mistakes in that plan that he has, it never throws God off. We don't ever throw God off. Even if we sin in error, and yes, we have to pay the consequences for it. Right? The Bible talks about that. There's a, there's, a, there's a consequence for our sins. Not just the forgiveness, but the, you know, you go get somebody pregnant. If you have an abortion, there's a consequence. It's severe for both the man and the woman. If you have the kid, there's a consequence, right? Suddenly now there's another life you're responsible for for the rest of your life. So, there's, so God can still work in spite of the worst circumstances. And, and we can make mistakes in little things. And God can still guide us. So we don't need to be anxious about, well, what do I do? But we do need to be sensitive and submissive and surrendered and listen to God. Where do you want to take me? What are you doing with my life? I want to do what you want. I want to bring glory to you. I want people to look at me and see, and be, you're magnified. I want people to look at me and see, have hope. Not because I'm perfect, but because I'm overcoming with your strength and I give you credit. We can make big mistakes and God can still work if we get back to just surrendering to him. But it's trusting that God will be our guide. We plan the course, he determines the steps. And from beginning to end of our lives, the Bible teaches that God is our guide forever and ever. He'll guide us even to the end. That gives me a lot of hope. Dr. James Packer, one of the most famous kind of current scholars, God made us thinking beings and he guides our mind, minds as we think things out in his presence. God just doesn't want us to sit around and go, God, I'm just going to wait on you and just pray and you're going to answer me. We can pray and we can wait and answer, but God wants us to think. God, what do you want me to do? And God wants us to go, well, think about it. What do you think's best? Get some input. Look at the scriptures. Do a study. Fast. Pray. Use your mind. Think through what the scripture says for people that are impulsive. Think through the scriptures that say that people will never make a move. Think through what the scripture says and then use your mind. So God doesn't want us to sit idly, idly, idly by waiting for, a, 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 you know, like a written, those, those airplanes, write the signs in the sky, whatever. He wants us to use our mind, but he also wants us to trust him that he'll work guide us even when we're not sure on what's best to do. Last illustration, then we're going to close and get in our groups here in just a moment. Psalm 36, 9. This is such a cool verse. For with you, God, he says, is the fountain of life. You've been drinking a lot of water the last few days? I sure have. I've been up in the middle of the night, you know, just guzzling. I had to sleep with a wet washcloth the last two nights because we don't have air conditioning. I mean, I went back to the 1800s in the West. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm sitting there with the washcloth the four fans. <laughs> um, but, you know, when we go back to God, 
We get refreshed. We get energized. There's a sense of, ah. Oh. Can you imagine a cold glass of water with the ice cubes bobbing in it right now, just condensing on the sides? And Anyway. With wisdom, with God's guidance, we've got to go back to him. He'll refresh us. He'll re-energize us. He'll help us. I'm getting some water right after this. He's our fountain for our lives. And I look at this last line. In your light, we see light. In your light, we see light. You know, along our highways, we have all kinds of highly reflective signs that give us direction and warn us of danger. And most of the signs are uh, of the reflector type. In fact, I just drove back from Arizona twice, and there's parts of the Arizona desert between California and Arizona that are dark. I mean, there's no lights, there's no businesses, there's no, you know, you, you break down out there, you're out there. And I'm telling you, from total darkness, when, you're, when your headlights hit those signs, they like explode in light. They're highly reflective specifically to get your attention. And in darkness, nobody can, you can't see them. But with the headlight, they burst in light. And you know, that is a lot about our lives. God wants us, God would like to guide us through the days and through the years of our life. All the signs are out there in all the appropriate places for warning, where to turn, where to stop, where to wait, where railroad crossing. What, you know, the signs are there. But whether we see them or not, will depend on the light when we approach them. And I think about that. When you're looking for something in the dark, you use a good flashlight. And wherever we choose to search for guidance, that's what's going to be illuminated. And if we use God's light, God's wisdom to search, God's going to burst into light. In God's light, we'll see light. We'll get the illumination that we need in order to do what God wants us to do. And we can trust in that. Amen? So we're going to break right now in our discussion groups. Uh, What about you is hard to accept? What life circumstance are you facing challenges right now in your trust for God? And where do you need need God's guidance right now? And then we'll close with a prayer. Everybody get a chance to pray. So let's get in groups no bigger than three. And let's circle up right now because what time are we fellowshipping? Nine. Nine. Not right now. Not at 828 at nine. So let's circle up in our groups. Groups of three. And uh, let's, let's talk vulnerably about these things. Thanks. You've just listened to the Elevate podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.